Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. everyone and welcome to another episode brought to you by yahoo sports canada my name is iman and i am joined by jordan jordan what is up what's up i'm chilling how are you thanks for having me as usual of course of course and everybody you guys already know the deal like subscribe share with your friends leave comments as long as they're positive because you know things are not going well um in the raptors world but i like to pod after wins and the Raptors did me a favor by winning against the Orlando Magic. <laughs> Which we, uh, you know, historically just hate playing because it's always a madness. I hate playing Orlando, like, all the time. And we played them three times this month, so I'm it glad that we got feels, out of the What? It feels like we play Orlando. I know you only play Orlando at most four times and sometimes three times because they're not in your division. But it feels like the Raptors play Orlando eight times a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, every year, just like, Orlando again? Like, I don't know if it was like last year or two years. I don't know. But there was like one year where it was kind of like smushed uh, together like this. Yeah. Was, I think I think, I think it was like that championship. I feel like that championship year was because you played them in the playoffs. But then I right. swear you played them in like April or March. So it was like, this right. is way too many games at one time. Yeah, true, true. Um, Yeah, I hate playing Orlando. Uh, just in general, just like historically. I've never really... They're just not a fun They've team. They've always been bad. annoying games. They've always been annoying games. Them and Charlotte have always been annoying games. You know Charlotte, what I'm saying? Is, Charlotte, Charlotte is different. Charlotte is in a league of its own. Uh, you know, William Lou does the Gerald Henderson Award for a reason because Gerald Henderson feasted off of the Raptors. It was always yeah. so – the Raptors could have won 50 games, 55 games. The – the Bobcats would win nine games in a season. I swear the year that they won the least amount of games in in Raptors history. They beat us NBA twice. They beat us twice. And yeah. they only played us three times. They had a winning record against one team. One team. It's funny, too, because we would have been a 60-win team in our championship year if Jeremy Lamb didn't exist. Jeremy <laughs> Lamb hit two game winners in two separate games. They're like the, and it's like that's the thing. It doesn't matter the era. They could be the Bobcats. They could be yeah. the Hornets. It does yeah. not matter. They're that's going it. to destroy the Raptors. <laughs> Jeremy Lamb, Gerald Henderson. It does not matter. Right. Ramon Sessions. <laughs> Jesus, oh my God. hate them all. Hate them all. Um, but we we don't have to talk about Charlotte. Another team that the Raptors, um, you know, are loath to face. Uh, we'll be talking about because they'll be going up against them on Monday. Right. Uh, but before we get to that, any thoughts about the Orlando game? Okay, so I happen to have the pleasure of being there in person, you know, section 104, row six, seat five, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, how to, how to <laughs> and um, honestly, the first thing that you notice off rip in comparison to uh, the Pelicans game and, um, uh, and games before that, just like we didn't start flat. Like there was a lot of energy, defensive intensity. We're actually making shots. Scotty was aggressive. I was just like, okay, 
these are the things in which we want to see more of that we wanted to see more consistently. And honestly, it's one thing to watch the Raptors on TV, especially like, you know, Pascal doing his thing and OG, but to see it in person, to really see the hustle and the drive and just like, no, the tenacity is just like, OG's all over the place. Oh my God. Even the things that you don't necessarily uh, can't get on, on the broadcast, but I'm like, you really just see him just all over the place, really bothering guys. He, and he's getting to his spots and, and like just the vision that he has, like he made some insane passes Ooh. crowded and like getting them uh, into the pain and for other guys to get easy looks. I'm just like, wow, I'm like, it, it, it's just, it's just amazing to see that miss dunk that, that fancy ass miss dunk. So that happened towards my end. Mm. So I was just like, Oh gee, why must you embarrass? You know what I'm saying? Like he should have had his career high that, that night. You know what I'm saying? But okay. uh, and then looking at um looking at the box score and just seeing what Pascal had a near triple double, but it didn't even feel like it. That's so, the thing. A lot of people were like, oh, Pascal kind of had a quiet game. It's like two rebounds shy of a triple double. Or like two, yeah. two rebounds shy, I believe, of a triple double. He had 10 assists, 26 points. Yeah. He could just sleepwalk to it. Pascal is at an insane level. And I think it's important that we talk about just how good OG Ananobi has been. Like there needs to be a spotlight on OG because as you said, defensively, and to your point, not all of the metrics are quantifiable. That's why defense is just so hard for people to track and for people to compare different players. It's not all quantifiable, but even if we're looking to the numbers, Kevin Durant has only been held to 22 points or less twice this season both times have come against OG Ananobi as his primary defender. <laughs> like, OG Ananobi held Donovan Mitchell to single digits for the first time in 121 games. And, like, it is a credit to the Raptors' defense because they do like to trap stars. They do like to send doubles at guys. But OG has a lot of um, – he plays a lot of single coverage on these guys and is able to really shut them down. Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic had his two lowest field goal attempts against the Raptors. Both times that he had his lowest field goal attempts came against – his primary defender, OG Ananobi. So what OG is doing, and he he's getting you those counting stats as well with just the steals, and some of the steals that he had last night too, <laughs> were just absolutely fantastic to watch. So he's getting you, oh, it's, it's insane. But then also on the offensive end, the leap that he has taken has just been so incredible to watch. And I know some people are sort of harping on some of the numbers there in terms of his efficiency because at the rim, he hasn't shot the best. Um, And also in the mid-range, he hasn't really shot the best, but he's getting to his spots. Uh, He's not getting foul calls as much as he really should. It's coming recently. I've noticed he dips his shoulder into guys in the past. Offensive foul goes the other way. Now refs are calling it in OG. I was surprised. I was just like the respect um and so like and and he's so hard to get off his spot because he's so strong right like we're talking Kawhi level strength right just just in terms of strength alone and so he's able to get to his spots and even though that touch might not be there today it's coming like that's the last step in my my opinion like the most difficult part is to get to your spot right get in front of the rim create the space that's the difficulty knocking it down once you can do that that's gonna come with rhythm and that's gonna come with time and and so like watching OG Ananobi's growth it's just like oh he's him and he's arrived <laughs> and that's a lot of fun to watch right and the craziest thing is it's like uh similarly we saw this with Pascal we literally mm-hmm. dealt with this with Pascal not a few not a few years ago we're just like okay he's getting more comfortable within the flow of the offense the defense was always there Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's a matter of like being a disruptor, really handling guys one on one. He wasn't really getting as 
many steals as OG was, but I'm just like, he was still a presence that you had to respect. And then when he started putting that offensive game together, it's just like, all right, like we're seeing the full two-way package. And it's just like, okay, OG really now finding that, it's like, so you mean to tell me that we have uh, a guy who's going to be an MVP voting, should be another, should be an all-star, should be all-NBA again. And then we have OG who could have his first all-star campaign I'm pushing plus it. potentially defensive player of the year. Shit, throw in most improved player in there. Why you know not? So it's just Here's like I only want most improved player for OG Ananobi if he gets defensive player of the year too. Because I told it to Katie on the pod a couple of weeks ago. MIP kind of feels like, oh, we couldn't give you DPOI. So here we're gonna give you a consolation prize, right? Like we gotta credit you for something. No. You're giving him the main prize, okay? He gets it. But the Raptors are going to have to be a good defense. Like, OG's not going to get it if the rest of the team is also not locked in defensively. You have to be the best defender on either the best defense or an elite defense in order to win this. And so- but that's but that also that also hurt us last time because that infamous year where OG exactly see you're rolling eyes because no, you already because that but that was nonsensical. Listen, Zach Lowe, I love you, I love you, but. Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year because of a historical defense from the Boston Celtics and him being their best defender. That is why he won it. They had multiple guys on all NBA defensive teams and all things like that, and the Raptors couldn't get a single person on an all defensive team because the team was too good as a unit and that is nonsensical i am so sorry the logic there makes absolutely no sense and historically that hasn't been the case so honestly i think that that 2020 raptors team i think they weren't supposed to be where they were they were the second best team in the league second best defense in the league right behind the milwaukee bucks in both of those categories and they were just they were they were playing stellar basketball before the break right like they, they were flying similar to the milwaukee bucks before the break and no one really expected them to be there or wanted them to be there. So they didn't know how to calculate them into their into their um, end of the year votes. And so they said, okay, well, Nick Nurse is going to win coach of the year because, like, we didn't expect this team to be here, but we're not going to credit anybody else, which yeah, is nonsense, nonsensical. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like, it's just the, the team is going to have to be better defensively. And honestly, it's just been such a slog because I think to your point, I think you said it, Pascal and OG, they were doing their things defensively, and then the offense came. And I think that's a really, really, really big part of it. You cannot be looking for your offense to come and then think that you're going to lock down defensively. It can't be offense first and defense second, especially not on a team like the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors play the most aggressive style of defense in the league. <laughs> They're closeouts. You you watch that if you want to learn how to play defense. If you want to look at defensive coverages, watch the Raptors. They trap incredibly aggressively. They close out on guys incredibly aggressively. They switch incredibly aggressively. You can see, like, if if you want to know the type of defense that they're throwing out, whether it's a zone, whether it's man-to-man, if you want to understand it, watching the Raptors, because everything kind of happens um, at such an extreme level, there's not those lazy sort of clothes. You can never watch the mid-2000s Raptors play defense and expect to learn anything because, like, I don't know what I'm watching. Nobody's trying anything. Yeah, <laughs> Stop the ball. possession, <laughs> corner three open. He's yeah, like, at the rim. Like, it's just, like, it, it wasn't it wasn't conducive to, like, learning anything. But this team really is, and, and that, I think, has a lot of Raptor fans a little bit worried because you have to play an aggressive style of defense to fit into this team. And so – if at any point the energy level is not there, and you talked about it on Friday, the vibes are high. I said that you brought it over. Um, but in the first two games, 
the New Orleans Pelicans and the Brooklyn Nets, they give up 40 points in the first quarter in both of those games. Um, And to me, it's like their defensive intensity isn't there. And you cannot be lackadaisical and manage on this Raptors team. You have to play that end of the court. The offense is going to come. Didn't in the Brooklyn game in the first quarter, but it's going to come and you have to sort of trust that. And so like, I I don't want to harp on, you know, um, Scotty, because I think I I thought he had a great game yesterday. I thought he played really, really well. It did exactly the type of things that you want from him. Don't want to harp on Fred Van Vliet. I know he's sort of finding his rhythm and we know he's a great defender. We know he's one of the Raptors best defenders at points. Um, So I don't want to take anything away from that. His shot's going to come or Gary Trent Jr., who Nick Nurse has talked about in terms of his defensive intensity and has moved him to the bench. But it's very clear that part of the issues from this Raptors end, as much as we want to focus on the offensive end, a lot of it does start defensively um, mm. because I, I was looking through the numbers now prior to the Orlando Magic game this week. So against the Nets and against the Pelicans might have been one other game that I'm forgetting there. The Raptors had the 28th ranked offense, which is like, OK, no, their offense is a thing that needs help. But a lot of the Raptors offense feeds on their defense. It's about getting those steals and it's about running out. And and so, like, if they're not aggressive on that end, I just don't trust the Raptors' offense to really be able to do anything. Also, that um, aggressiveness and the intensity that I'm talking about means crashing the glass as well, which half of the Raptors' offense is second-chance points, right? Like, So everything here has to do with energy and intensity. So when we look at the Raptors having a bad week where they can get blown out on any given night, it's just to do with them it has to do with how locked in they are it has to do with how clued in they are this team has not felt like that it has not been great vibes Orlando was a nice sort of bump to get everybody feeling good but it's just kind of been not fun to watch and guys don't look like they're having fun on the court and and so like I'm, I'm glad that Orlando came in as a reset and I'm hoping they really prove themselves in this Boston game coming up but what are your thoughts about that whole spiel I just gave so you're absolutely right in terms of, um, you know, the, the level of intensity that they displayed in the first quarters, or you, you can even look at like the whole game against the Pelicans and then the first quarter um, against, uh, against Brooklyn. It's just like, yeah, that's not sustainable for long-term success, right? And the thing about uh, Nick Nurse coach team is just like Nick Nurse, he's defensive-minded and he's just like, look, you are not going to be on this team if you cannot commit aggressively uh, defensively. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's what he demands in all of his players. It's just, it's the same thing that he says for the Raptors. It's the same thing he says for team Canada. And it's just like, all right, look, if you do not have this energy that you're going to bring to the forefront, then we're not going to be successful. The team won't mm-hmm. be successful. And then you're, you're going to see like, you know, guys getting called out and the guys minutes start to dip and everything else like that. And it's just like, all right, the Magic are not a great team, but at the same time, they play a style that's like pretty similar to the Raptors just in terms of how they're built. It's like you see Bull Bull, the Wagner I brothers. I love him. Can we get him? Oh. What is it going to take? Jeff Weltman, what is it going to take? I don't know. But, you know, uh, you, you got Paolo there. So, like, they're they're big and tall and lengthy and everything yeah. else like that. So, it's just like, all right. That was a good like kind of litmus test in terms of like, all right, where are you right now? Are you going to fold against a, a bad team or are you actually going to show up? Because the flip side could have happened. It's just like, all right, I don't really know what to expect, but 
we know that the Raptors are a resurgent team. You know that they're a bunch of fighters, hence, hence why there's a reason why fake comeback is like a thing. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just like, all right, our back's up against the wall. We can turn it on. It's just like, all right, turn it on in the first quarter. You Ooh. know what I'm saying? The Raptors are a terrible first quarter team. Yeah, and that and that's why, listen, I'm glad I went to the game and I was able to provide the good energy that apparently that they needed because you didn't feel that. You didn't feel those ripple effects from um, from the previous games. And it didn't even necessarily seem like they had a drought in scoring at any point. I can't recall. Unless, like, uh, later on when um, when Malachi Banton and all the, the victory cigar lineup, they came yeah. up with all the magic had like their little thing but aside from that they were really clicking on all cylinders and i'm glad that they were able to impose that now the thing is you have a historically great offensive defensive team like the celtics are very hungry i think i think they're the hungriest team in the nba hence why they're so good yeah because, you lose yeah, in the finals about, you want to go back exactly exactly they're cheesed about losing the finals they're a young team but like they actually have a sprinkle of youth and veteran presence that makes them well-rounded and that's why they're a juggernaut you know what i'm saying just like the the bucks they're they're still juggernaut too but you know the going to toe-to-toe and and being in a shootout with the lakers and whatnot it's like all right the the level of basketball that they have to play is just like all right is, is that something that's sustainable long term the celtics top to bottom just like they're a very good team it's just like all right with Pascal back, obviously he's still working his way, but seemingly not seem like he's missed a step from where he was at before the injury in Dallas. It's like, all right, let's see, let's see where we're at. OG, he's had a lot of reps and being like, all right, defensively, you're elite. Offensively, yeah. your game is coming into form. So it's just yeah. like, all right, what what's gonna happen? Scotty, is he gonna take uh, you know, is he gonna take this energy from the magic game and like bring it into Monday? Is he gonna continue to be assertive and aggressive especially to start off the game because if we start off flat against the celtics i don't know how we recover from that going you can't from- you can't you have to start you cannot dig yourself into a giant hole and expect to climb back against most nba teams maybe right. against maybe against the magic and i'm looking at it here the raptors have the 24th ranked, um, the, the 24th best net rating or the sixth worst net rating uh, in the first quarter in the NBA. And the teams below them are all the tanking teams. It's the Pistons and the Hornets and the Rockets and the Spurs. Like they're yeah. they're not the good teams. And this is a team that has good starters. And I, I was looking through it um, because I, I, I want to ask you and I want to kind of pivot towards like, how do you have a good first quarter? What do you do to come out? And the question I think on a lot of people's minds, the question certainly on mine is like, what is the Raptors starting lineup actually going to look like? Because I, I've not been a fan of Christian Coloco at the five to start. Um, Christian Coloco, with all due respect. I thought was going to be a G League player this year because he's a second round pick as a center that, you know, I don't know that he's ready to start minutes for this team consider like consistently um you know I I remember that Mavs game he got three fouls really quickly on Luca like right like Luca just kept finding him and attacking him and threw three fouls and he had to sit down and I I don't know if he came back I can't remember if he came back for the rest of the game that first game against the Nets the reason why the Raptors really lost that is because Nick Claxton was yeah. going up against who? Uh, none other than Christian Coloco, which was a, a, a matchup that he really sort of feasted on. And then in the games where it hasn't been Coloco, like even Thaddeus Young, 
I thought Thaddeus Young against the Pelicans was a weird choice because Jonas Valanciunas is bigger, stronger, younger, and faster. <laughs> like, as much as I love Thaddeus Young, I didn't know that that was necessarily the matchup to really use him in. And the the, the Pelicans, like, that game hurt as a Raptors fan, but, like, Zion Williamson is just the most fun basketball player in the history of basketball. Like, what? Why are the, why are they not sold out every single game? Like, the tickets are not expensive. I've seen what ticket prices are in New Orleans. And this is the, this is like, this is NBA history that you're watching right now. Guys, go. Uh, and the team is really good as well. But so, so I guess my question to you is what, and here, here, I'll add this in as well. So to me, I have liked Gary Trent Jr. in the starting lineup. I've been a fan of Gary Trent Jr. in the starting lineup. I think the Nets game is a perfect example. I, I, I personally, I think I look at the the magic and I know the Raptors did well. They're a big, long team, to your point. They've got a bunch of guys who are big and long. They can't shoot. It's fine to have Gary come off the bench in that particular matchup because it's the magic. But in general, against a team that can score, I looked at the Raptors in that Nets game and their offense, at one point, wasn't the score like 40-17? Like, the Raptors yeah, could not was, score really to bad. save their lives. And so, and, and watching Pascal really work in negative spacing is not fun. So when you have Fred, who's in a three-point shooting drought, um, you have OG Ananobi, who is a, is a good three-point shooter, but hasn't really found his touch at the start of this year. Um, and then you have Scotty, who's not a particularly great three-point shooter, and you have Christian Coloco, who can't take a three. I think he's taken five threes this year and has not made a single one of them. What is the spacing for this team? Like that is not NBA level spacing. They needed Gary Trent Jr. They needed what he would do and and the offense that he can bring. And so I, I look at that game and I'm like, the Raptors need Gary Trent Jr. spacing. And so I was looking at the numbers with the Raptors traditional starting lineup, which would be Gary Trent Jr. in there with Scotty and, and OG and Pascal and Fred in the first quarter. Do you want to take a guess on if they have a positive or a negative net rating? I'm assuming by the change of your tone of voice, it is a positive net rating. <laughs> it's certainly not a positive net rating. It is a negative net rating. Really? It is a bad, bad net rating. Um, do you want to take a stab at what you think it would be in terms of first quarter? Um, if not, I can tell you what it is. <laughs> hey, man, you have all the numbers right in front of you. Go ahead. Minus 22.6. What? That is their net rating in first quarters. Um, throughout the rest of the game, much, much, much better. In the second half, plus 9.5. So for whatever reason, this team, regard, and I, I think some of these numbers are obviously clouded. There's not, it's still a small sample size, right? We're talking about some of these blowups that have happened, uh, or blowups, blow, blowouts. <laughs> We're talking about some of these blowouts that have happened. And so that's probably going to cloud it, but this is not a particularly good first quarter team. And so it's like, I, I can't be calling for the traditional starting lineup when like, that's what they do. And I think a lot of people last season were looking at that lineup and saying they have a bad net rating. They don't like you need to have a traditional center in there. And so people wanted, whether it be Precious Achua. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Or Ken Birch or someone in there to slot in and, and moving Gary to the bench. And I wasn't a fan of that, number one, because of spacing. And number two, I don't really see Gary as your sort of, I don't think he's the prototypical bench scorer in the way that like a Jamal Crawford or a Lou Williams are just because they have the playmaking and Gary Trent Jr. does it. Right. Like, I think that that is a huge, huge point. And and so to me, watching the the um, Scotty Barnes and Gary come off the bench together, I was like, OK, I can see how that works. And I understand that the Raptors don't play all bench lineups together. They do. They will have one of Scotty, one of Fred, one of Pascal, some ball handler on the court with Gary. But um, I just like what what is because I think a lot of people are pointing to Nick Nurse's wonky lineups. And I certainly am as well. And saying like what are the Raptors doing here? Why is this the lineup that we're doing? But what are your thoughts now knowing what some of the numbers are for the traditional starting lineup? It's interesting because um, as when we had the traditional lineup and then I was always a fan of, you know, uh, Chris Boucher being the first off the bench because it's just like, you know, he has been the spark plug when you need it. And because of the fact that he has the three-point threat, he can get inside. You know, he he dishes and 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 dimes like all the live long day as yeah, well. Yeah, shout out to dishes and dimes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> uh, and I and especially when him and Thad are on the floor together, it's just like okay, well, you, you still have oh, those. That finds him so great. It's a great cutter. It's a great. You know what like, I'm saying? Chris like, is a great cutter. That is a great connector. It works exactly. So like that that works in a sense as well. And I think because of the fact that. When you have Gary and Fred, and if they're not clicking, if they're not clicking right off the bat in terms of getting their shooting and, and whatnot, it's just like, okay, that gets us into bad holes because long shots, long rebounds, if we're not getting the offensive uh, board, then just like, all right, we're going to put ourselves in a hole. We're running back and forth. And you know that Pascal is going to get doubled, tripled, or it's just like there's a lot of attention on him. So he can be the facilitator, but if guys are not knocking their shots down early, it's just like, now you you have to pick it up. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, okay, do you go with a chem or do you be like, all right, you know what? Let's try something even nuts. Throw Boucher in there. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that's, that doesn't sound like it makes any sense, but when you were looking for um, a, a tone setter, uh, to start off the game, it's just like, all right, we need some kind of energy and rhythm. Yeah. You have rim runners and you have, um, you know, uh, two guys who are shot creators. It's like, all right, Pascal is the main shot creator. Fred, he's 
undersized for a lot of games just because they, you know, there are bigger and taller players in the league now. And it hurts to see a friend get to the rim and get blocked repeatedly, you know what I'm saying? Or have to force. force I, think he's, I think he's right now dead last um, in terms of guys uh, who've taken a minimum of like, I don't know, whatever the minimum is um, right. shots at the rim. <laughs> I think right now he has the, the worst percentage and Trey Jones is, is right underneath him. So, I mean, we're talking about two guys that are not quite six feet tall. <laughs> That's right. kind of like uh, an issue there, but I completely agree with you. Yeah, and it's just a matter of just like, all right, well, what makes the most feasible sense, especially when you're going up against elite teams? Like, we're seeing Boston coming up, and then we have the Lakers, and then we We're have... playing better. Anthony exactly. Davis is a superstar right now. He's playing getting... like the Anthony Davis they traded for. Exactly. Like, we're getting a lot of teams, like, you know, when they're getting to their best. Now, on the flip side the Raptors are getting some more consistency with their health. I know like some guys are like kind of banged up, but getting Pascal is a game changer. If we didn't have Pascal, we're not having this discussion like, oh, how are the how are the Raptors fair against the Celtics? We get blown out. Pascal's like, so just, good. You know what I'm saying? So Pascal's so, so he's, he's amazing. So and I've been good. team Pascal since we drafted him. Okay. He's so check good. the tweets. I've been there. I like I don't Day think like, people realize that like he could just like literally slept walk to like what is nearly a triple double <laughs> like yeah, that, and, and that, imagine and been a competitive thing. team he would have gotten the triple double because he would have needed to stay in the game for two extra minutes you know exactly it and it, and it's and it just speaks to how much he's grown as a player because when you look up like everything about that game really is just like oh this is og you know what i'm saying and then like you know fred and gary were pretty quiet but scotty had like a great double double game and then he's like Oh, yeah, Pascal did all that, but it didn't even feel like it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But he's still having an impact, and he is the he's the guy. You know what I'm saying? He yeah. is the max player. He is the all-NBA. He, exactly. He's so just like everything, everything starts with him, mm-hmm. and it's a matter of like, all right, you got to get him going, but the supporting cast needs to step up too. Yeah, Gary needs to shoot better. Fred needs to shoot better. The ball can't just stick with Fred. It has and Scotty's to. got to be more aggressive. And I, you touched exactly. on it. Like that's that's something. Like I thought Scotty had a great game yesterday. Um, I, I I liked him. I liked his energy that he brought. I look at that Pelicans game as like a game where yeah, there's a lot of talk about Scotty and his body language. But I look at that Pelicans game and I'm like, there's no reason for Scotty to be taking seven shots, um, right. only. And there's no reason for five of those seven shots to be beyond the arc. Right. You're not like that's not his game. That's not your game. game. He's inside. And like I and he looked a, he looked more aggressive and he had some tape on his knee. So I'm not sure if it's a knee issue with Scotty Barnes or an ankle issue necessarily. Um, if you listen to Nick Nurse, he says he's fine. I think that Scotty knows his body, so I'll trust that it's either a knee or an ankle issue. Um, but like it's got you've got to be more aggressive. You 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 have got to find your way inside. And that is something that I, I think we're seeing more from Scotty Barnes. I don't mind the outside shot because it's going to come to him in rhythm at times when you do have a Pascal being doubled. You're going to be able to get some of those, but five out of your seven shots, never okay. Well, no, it's not going to cut it, especially because the fact that like that your bread and butter is the middle. <laughs> it's, the, it's the mid-range and at the rim, you know what I'm saying? You're a great yeah. passer. Like, all right, when you impose your will early and often, that's what gets the rest of the team going. You know what I'm saying? It can't just be all Pascal because that's a lot of energy that he's bringing to the forefront. So it's just like, all right, look, 
Scotty, you, you are also a guy that can really uh, be a tone setter. OG is there as well. So it's just like, all right, we have the pieces there. It's just a matter of like, guys just need to click up. And Yeah, and there are going to be moments where like, we're going to give it to you, Scotty, and you're going to be the guy. Yes. So we, we, we've seen that. We saw that in his rookie season. We see that at points this season as well. And, and hopefully it continues to come. But it's really going to start on the defensive end. Like you mentioned, it did with OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. I do want to talk a little bit about Gary because uh, I did mention that I don't love the idea of Gary coming off the bench because right. I and sure like I I don't I don't know what I'm Nick Nurse is smarter than myself so like sure um, but I look at someone who has like a Jordan Poole or um, uh, like who are these six men like the Tyler Heroes the Jordan Pools like these guys who come off the bench they have playmaking ability too they have that added thing that they can do. Someone like Terrence Ross is, doesn't necessarily, right? Like he's comes right. off the bench and he's sort of that score. And I thought William Lou made a really great point about Terrence Ross's ability to really kind of um, get his shot up and just do it so quickly. It's that added athleticism. And it makes me realize yeah. that just being a little bit off as an NBA player uh, makes a world of difference. Like these are the best human beings at this job. These are the best 500, sometimes even 300 in terms of cracking the rotation in the entire world at what they do. And it is that added athleticism that it allows him to sort of shake off somebody. Because if you are coming off the bench, you're probably going to be dealing with the focal point of the opposing team's defense because you're not, as a starter, he is what, the fourth, the fifth option at times, whereas coming off the bench, that does change. And so like the coverage also changes and so it, it it it's interesting to see how that fits and I'm not saying that he can't do it because can you he had 35 points off the bench and like can you guess how many players this season have had 35 points coming off the bench I'm gonna go with zero or that is exactly correct I, I almost exactly was like did, did Mathurin did did Ben he like, came he came in with 32 very okay. close. Someone else tied him with 32 off the bench. Can you can you take a stab? There's a Raptors connection here. I'll give you that hint. The Wait, Raptors, it wasn't it wasn't a Raptor player, but oh. there's a Raptors connection. This person could have played for the Raptors maybe at one point or another, and maybe was traded for Gary Trent Jr. maybe at one point or another. Oh, um, Norm, Norm, yeah, yeah, he just did Norm it. Bell had 32 points coming off the bench. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. had 35 coming off the bench. So, like, w- what he's able to do, like, I, I'm not going to take that away. Gary Trent Jr. is a fabulous scorer. He is a phenomenal scorer, and I think the Raptors could use his spacing. So I'm not saying that, like, he's not good enough to be a bench player or something. Right. I, I just, I think the value that he brings to the starting lineup is really, really important, and he doesn't, to me, fit as the prototypical bench player. He fits as sort of your fourth option maybe fifth option in a starting lineup. That's why Chris um, McKay makes the most amount of sense because it's like, all right, the offense, like when you need an injection of energy or you're trying to like, you know, sustain what you've yeah. already been building, changing that he's great yeah he like changes the pace of the game entirely right like he comes in and it's like oh it's high energy now (laughs) right like he completely sort of injects life into what's going on there and he contributes to good spacing as well because because he is a threat from beyond the arc but also he can get inside so all right you got your big man there it's just like all right he has to play up that opens the door for everybody and else he, to work. he boxes out he 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 
can do the dirty work for you. He's going to box out so that you can grab those offensive boards. He's going to like just high energy. You see him blocking three point shots and then rotating to meet someone back at the rim in like the span of a second. Like he just plays with a lot of heart. Um, but I love that. And I, I do want to give Gary Trent Jr. a shout out because he is the leading scorer off the bench <laughs> all of a sudden with that 35 point game, which um, yeah, I, I think he's fantastic. But I do want to play a little bit of a game with you before we head out. Um, right. and that's because Pascal Siakam started this season saying that he wants to be top and he has accomplished that I don't know if the end of that sentence was I want to be top five in the Raptors in terms of scoring (laughs) but that is where he is right now pushing Andrea Bargnani off to the side which I think is an incredible feat of course he you know won a championship in his third season won most improved player of the year most improved won a G League championship um, has been all NBA multiple times uh, all-star as well and is going to make one for his second time this year let's do this okay all right yeah yes we said he won most improved player to win most improved player well kind of unless you're John Morant it means that you were not on the radar and then you jumped on people's radar that's generally what it means so I think I just I feel like him being top five is, is just it feels sort of improbable. Also, him and Andrea were drafted 10 years apart, which kind of feels crazy to me. Um, okay. Right. <laughs> 2006, 2007 to 2016, 2017 season. Um, OK, so let's do this. Because I feel like the scoring is so improbable and I want people to recognize how improbable it is. Right. How many games. In. Uh, Pascal Siakam's rookie season. Do you think he had zero points? How many games in his rookie season? Okay, I know that he didn't start a lot. Let's start off with Andre Bargnani. How many games in Andre Bargnani's regular, uh, in in uh, for Andre Bargnani in the regular season did he have one point or less? Let's say in his rookie year. In his rookie year. I want to say, I mean, probably less than 10. Less than 10. Uh, this is Andrea Bargnani, number one overall pick, Raptors. What are they really? Um, he had one game. He had one game where he scored zero points, and that is it. Wow. So he came in as, a, you know, he, he came in as the guy. <laughs> Not really, yeah. but he, he yeah. came in. He had a lot, of, a lot of games where he had single digits. But um, he still, you know, came in like that. Now let's switch over to Pascal Siakam. How many times in Pascal's rookie season do you think he had zero points or one point or less? Neither one of them had a one-point game, so I don't even know why I did that. 38. Because <laughs> um, here, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this a little bit. And I'll say that Pascal Siakam only played like 50 some odd games because he, he was in the G League for a while as well. So he, he only played a handful of games. So how many do you think he had? Like I'm saying zero points, like not two zero points. Because he had a lot of he had a lot of two point, three point games. I'm saying okay. zero points. Zero points? Zero points. Like 15. Uh close, close. He had 11. 11 yeah. zero point games. Yeah. In his rookie season. Um, also on 11, 11, 11 is apparently the, the, the 11th game. No, they're doing it in reverse order. So that's funny. Um, basketball reference just did that for my sake. Cause they know I like the number 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just, I, I want 
wanted to like play this game a little bit. We're going to change it up. Now, how many games? And remember, he only played about 50 some odd games. He only played 55 games. So right. how many games in his rookie season, this is Pascal Siakam, do you think that he had single digits? Every game that he played. I don't think he had yes. a double digit game. He did. He did have a double digit game. I mean, it's very, very close. He played 55 games I'm seeing here. Um, and 51 of those were single digits. Yeah, that sounds about right. He got he barely got PT. He his his season high at that point was 14. 14 points. It was his season high. That was a game against the Atlanta Hawks that the Raptors won by 44 points. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Christ. I remember that game. <laughs> Jesus. That was a great that was a great I game. Love the second highest was 11 points. The Raptors beat the Philadelphia 76ers, so the uh, uh, tanking Sixers. No, yeah, they were tanking still by 27 points. Uh, was so, that the Drake clap game? Was that the Drake sweater game with the, when he was looking like a grandmother? Because I think I was at that game. Maybe. That, I, it might have been that game. I was. I was at that game. All right, so you you watch one of Pascal's best rookie performances, <laughs> uh, basically. But but like I just want to play that game. I mean, we're talking about fifty one games of yeah. single digits in his rookie season, and yeah. already he is top five for Raptors in terms of scoring. His trajectory is something that I've never really seen in the NBA. I think it's really really crazy, and I thought that that was a game that could shed light on just how incredibly special this rise from Pascal Siakam has been. Yeah, considering that. Um... It, it, it's funny because the comparison you kind of look at scout like scout Lebesier and mm -hmm. pascal that was the whole thing and like i kind of <laughs> you look at i know it's not the same thing but just given how people were angry about that reminded yeah. me of Scotty and jalen sons like it reminded me of that but it's just like all right obviously look we drafted uh pascal late first round and you know having the number four pick but it's just funny how like the the energy was like kind of the same and who would have thought I don't think any of us would have thought we're just like okay Not we drafted a power forward who can be the Amir Johnson that we we're looking for you know what I'm saying I'm just Even like, I, I, I like low. I, it, I mean it's crazy and just to think that he almost had a triple double yesterday I was just looking at his rookie season numbers he had two assists in terms of his season high in assist total he had two assists three different times he had zero assists 41 out of the 55 games that he played this is not a guy who was able to do everything this is not a guy who was trusted to do everything right like the ball was not he in his hands looked for at him somebody who can like do all that no and like now 10 assists yesterday and it's just like oh yeah yeah pascal had a kind of a game <laughs> like right. he can sort of be your secondary ball handler at a lot of points so i just think the trajectory for someone like him has been insane has been just so much fun to watch and you're right it starts with the defensive end it starts with being trusted to play at that time by Dwayne casey also the development to you know at the raptors g league level and um nick nurse really kind of uh, Giving him the ball yeah, and that development really, yeah, that development really did happen under Nick Nurse, where we're now seeing an all NBA MVP caliber type of player. And it started with this guy who had zero points in more than half of his games, although not, not actually, but like had at least zero assists in more than half of his games, uh, zero assists in about 80% of his games. And now look at where he's at. Just so much fun to watch Pascal's growth. Top five for Raptors in scoring. He'll be top five in a lot of different categories. I think he's going to probably be in that top three along with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan when all is said and done. 
along with Fred Van Vliet, I think he'll sneak into a lot of those as well. And what's crazy about it too is just like, yes, the Raptors are a young team. We're not even the the team itself is not even 30 years old yet. And it's just like we're seeing, we we've seen like, you know, the the greatness of it. So we we lived through basically like the turmoil of it, but you know, to witness Vince and like, you know, for a time, it's just like, all right, Vince was the superstar. We didn't think that we we're going to get like, and now is one. he even on any list? Well, I guess he's on points, but yeah, be yeah, gone he's on points. <laughs> I don't think he's on games played. I don't think so. Um, I don't think we, we've but, got so many of like the Mo Peets and just like, you know, the guys who've kind of just been here. Right. Exactly. But it's just like, okay, so we witnessed the Vince years and then Bosch, Bosch seems like an afterthought. Like you don't even really think of the Bosch years like that because great of Miami Heat player, great, great Miami Heat player. <laughs> because we got we were spoiled with Tamar and Kyle, and just like all right, so we have that. They're gone. So it's like all right, so we you know get Pascal and Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet is even in an, an insane story as well. He oh, even drafted crazy. Crazy. You know and like, it's just, and that's a testament to a really, really great franchise. The yeah. only teams in history that can talk about sustained success like that, like the Raptors are the second winningest team in the league in the last decade, only behind the Golden State Warriors, right? Yeah. Like, the I'm so glad, I'm Eastern so glad Conference. within that, I'm so glad yeah. within that time period, we won a championship. Uh, winning a, and Girls, which is the that's, hardest thing. That would thing. mean nothing How? to me. Yeah, like how many teams can say that they won a championship? And like, that's what sustained success gets you. And I think there's a large um, faction of like fans that think like, oh, well, you are competing for a championship or it's bust and you're in the turmoil. And it's like, that's not how it works. You can come from sustained excellence. How many times did articles come out saying the Raptors should blow it up with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry? Because yeah, they can win 50 games in the regular season, but what are they going to do come playoff time? Not listening to that not paying attention to that allowed the Raptors to continue to build around DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, bring in the pieces like a Serge Ibaka who needs to slot in here, bringing in the pieces that fit uh, around what this team do, developing the Pascal Siakams and the Fred Van Vliet. And then when the time came, no offense to DeMar DeRozan, but they traded him for an upgrade. And <laughs> they were able to win a championship because they had all of the pieces around. The Clippers tried to do the same thing, but they didn't have a point guard. They didn't have the pieces around. They might have copied the playbook, but they didn't, they didn't copy it to a T because, like, you cannot take away what Kyle Lowry means to what the Raptors were able to do. I don't think you could take away what Marcus Gasol means to what the Raptors are able to do as well. Right. And so they didn't have the correct playbook, which is have all the pieces in place when you do get your superstar because otherwise you're just going to have a superstar that's wasting away word to the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban who is just running the Dirk Nowitzki playbook again again (laughs) don't do it it's not fun but build build a team patiently thank you so much Jordan for joining me today um do you have anything you want to plug let the people know where they can find Um, you all right so I'm gonna be all over your TVs hey 23 um right now you can go watch uh last one laughing that's on amazon prime acting good that's on ctv comedy got two episodes on that very happy about that but 2023 robin hood is coming out i have an episode of that and then run the burbs season two that is coming on cbc starting january 4th so that's great too uh i don't know if there's another festival that diaspora Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The short film is going to be in, but it premiered at TIFF. It was in the Blood and the Snow Festival. So there's a whole lot. Go also story. watch Gray Area, another short film that I did. So... I'm all over the place and I'm still going to be all over the place next year. So it's great. We love to see it. We love to see it. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share with your friends and leave a comment if it's good because it's good vibes over here. All right, everybody. Bye.